I have actually seen hundreds of miraculous healings. I have been in a situation where a young boy of 12 who had a disintegrating spine, it's called Angel, Angel something or other, no, I don't know. Angelighting, angelighting spongilitis, something like that. And because the spine was disintegrating, the rest of the, the body was falling and the lungs were going. And he was going to die. And I saw him get prayed for. And he was absolutely and utterly miraculously healed. He came up out of the wheelchair and he walked slowly to the office of my... I was at my office desk and I saw this boy come out. I saw Bill Srebritsky behind him saying, well, son, if you can walk, you can run. And this boy who couldn't walk ran down the corridor and ran back again. I saw it with my own eyes. And I've seen hundreds of other miracles as well. So God does heal. But not everyone gets healed. And some of us are carrying sickness still. Well, you can carry it for the rest of your life if you want to. It's up to you. I'm the sort of person that if I get sick, I say, Lord, help me. What's caused this to come upon me? What do I need to do? Heal me, Lord. Because I don't want to carry sickness around. But the Lord gives us a choice. And that's something we have to think about too. So God wants to heal. So why doesn't he? Let's have a look at some recommended reading. These are books that are just worthwhile grabbing and learning. You can never stop learning. I've seen people healed and delivered over many, many years, and yet I started reading that book, The Art of Healing, by Josh Klinkenberg, and I've only read the first one-third, and I have learned brand new things which have just blown me away. And Josh Klinkenberg is a young uh, guy down in Tauranga. He's got a, 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 a special needs child, He's had to learn all sorts of things with regard to healing. And he went on a quest to learn why does God heal some people and some people don't. And he learned many, many things. And I couldn't believe it as I was reading the book. I just saw key after key after key, some of which I knew, some of which I hadn't thought about. So grab these things. God wants to heal, so why doesn't he? That's a, a manual about that big. Um, by... Um, Peter and Heather, Heather, Heather Toth. That's, that lists many, many types of sickness that afflict people and gives lists of reasons that the Lord has shown him why those afflictions come. It's a mind-boggling book. How to Pass from Curse to Blessing, Derek Prince. That's fantastic. Keys to Healing and Deliverance. That book is out there and you can borrow that. We have got more copies. Receiving God's Healing, download from Dove Ministries. If you want to study these things, learn them for yourselves. You see, I'm not a teacher. I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm just going to touch on a few things because I'm a preacher. Lord's called me to evangelize and to encourage you. So, but I'm not going to go through and give you every reason under the sun. I'm just going to touch on a few things and let the Holy Spirit let you know what you want to know. And never feel condemned. That word came through as well. God doesn't condemn you. Well, he might convict you, 
Oh, yes, you might be convicted of a sin and need to get down on your knees and repent for, to the Lord. But he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't say, yes, that's what you did, bad person. No, our God the Father isn't like that. He'll convict you to help you to remember, ah, that's something I need to deal with. And then he'll lovingly restore you because that's the sort of God he is. So what is our mandate? Next one. If we're born again, spirit-filled Christians, what are we all called to do? Why am I teaching, speaking, preaching about healing? Matthew 16, 14 to 16, says this. This was after the resurrection. Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith. So the first thing what Jesus did when the disciples after the resurrection is he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I've been known to rebuke some Christians who say they don't believe in healing, that healing isn't for today. And I will say, well, because of your stubborn unbelief, you won't see miracles happen. I had to say that to my father. Because he, he came from a denomination that doesn't believe in healing. And so those churches never see anyone get healed. The truth of the matter is, it's unbelief. It's sin. Because Jesus, wherever he went, healed the sick and cast out demons. And then he said to us to go and do the same. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 16, 17 and 18, and listen to this carefully. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So do you believe? And if you believe, these signs should be following you. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. I haven't done that yet. I'm sort of going to avoid that one. But my understanding of it is, is that the demonic doesn't have to affect us. We can stand against it in Jesus' name. And of course, Paul, a snake lander on him, a viper, which is deadly, and he just flung it off. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get healed. There's one thing that I learned from um, Josh Klinkenberg's book that has really struck home to me. It says you'll never see people get healed until you start praying for them. Doesn't that make sense? John Wimber, who had an amazing healing ministry, he was the founder of the Vineyard Fellowships worldwide. Tremendous things happened through John Wimber's ministry. Well, he believed in healing and, and he used to invite people out and he used to pray for people for like six months. He never saw anything happen. He said, he said but God, you heal. Your word says you healed. And after six months, all of a sudden, someone got healed. And then someone else, and then someone else, and it just flowed, and it flowed, and it flowed. As you pray for people, and continue to pray for people, you will see them get healed. Because you're activating your faith. 
you know, no matter what our function is in the body of Christ, every one of us who chooses to obey Jesus, because you've got a choice, you can float through church and just be a nominal Christian and not do anything, or you can choose to obey God and do those three things that he called us to do. That's the great commission, you realise. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. That's what God has called us all to do. Not just evangelists or pastors or teachers. We should all be active in some way to save the lost, heal the brokenhearted, and extend God's kingdom. You know, Mary sitting back there. I can't imagine her walking down the street and standing on the sidewalk preaching the gospel and what have you. Mary hasn't been called to uh, be a street preacher, but she's been called to pray for people to be saved. And <clears throat> Mary prayed until Bev Balcom came to the Lord. Then Bev Balcom and Mary prayed for 18 years and saw Janet come to the Lord. <coughs> Janet now gets calls from distressed women while I'm trying to sleep in the middle of the night sometimes and leads them to the Lord over the phone. See what happens? Because Mary prayed and she, her mission was to see people saved. We're all called to do that. We're all called to either lead someone to the Lord that's hopped in our car or someone we know who's sick to pray for them. We're all called to do something. Now let's look at what God says about healing. God's promises of healing. Exodus 15, 56. This lad's spot on, you know. Surely, oh, sorry, God said, if you did diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord God who heals you. Many of the Jewish nation, many of the Jews and Israelites, went through areas where there was horrific disease and plague and all sorts of things, and nothing touched them because they followed the Lord. Others didn't. Others gave up on, on following the commandments, and they got sick. The work of the cross, back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied as to what was going to happen when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Look at it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. I have been in situations where people have, got, um, have been really sick and they've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, your word says, by your stripes I am healed and have hung on to that word until the healing came because the word doesn't go away. The word is a truth. Jesus in Matthew 5, 9, 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus healed wherever he went and he said to his disciples, go ye out into the world 
and do the same. Healing in the church, James 5.13 says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him, let him pray. Let, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And here's a key that is often forgotten. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's no good going, going to the elders and saying, listen, I've got this and I've got that. Will you pray for me? And they anoint you with oil. But you don't confess that you've um, been lying about something to somebody. You've been watching some pornography a few weeks ago and you've never dealt with it. And the sickness is on you. What does it say? Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's why small groups are great because you can be transparent with each other and you can say, hey, listen, I really stuffed up last week. I did this or I did that. And we, ha our fellow Christians, have the right to say, well, you're forgiven in Jesus' name. So we know that God heals today, so why, does, why do we still carry sickness in our body? One of the reasons is unforgiveness towards others. Is everyone listening? Unforgiveness towards others. We must absolutely forgive everyone, no matter what they have done against us, because God has forgiven us and we have no right to hold unforgiveness against others. Look what Matthew 6 says. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. <whistles> hey, that's a heavy word, folks. But, and it's real. Look what it says in Matthew 18. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. This is the person who owed the master, which is really the Lord, a lot of money. And he was forgiven the debt. So he goes down the road and thumps a person for, for owing him 20 bucks. And the master heard about it and said, how dare you? And, and you'll be sent to the torturers until he should pay all the taxes that, that were due, due to him. But listen to this. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. What are torturers? How does God the Father deliver us to the torturers? If you follow through in a concordance, you'll find that the word torturers leads through to spirits of fear. Demons of fear and anxiety. Do you know that if you really suffer from anxiety... If you really suffer from fear, the root of it can be unforgiveness in the past. Isn't that? No, that's new to me. That's a, that's a new understanding for me. But as I pray for people, and they're full of fear, and they're full of anxiety, and they don't know where it's come from, as we pray, the Lord says, hasn't forgiven their father. So we say, hey, you've got a problem with your father? My father, I hate him. <laughs> so we go through that, we get them to forgive their father, all the fear and anxiety leaves. So that's how you learn these things. Now let's say a prayer about this. 
If you've got any unforgiveness in your heart, follow me. You don't have to say it, but if you want to, say this prayer after me. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I am sorry that I have sinned in unforgiveness. And now I forgive. And you name quietly to yourself the person that you need to forgive. Is it your husband who hasn't been, been a bit lazy around the house? Is it your wife who's been nagging you about something? Is it that is it your father who beat you when you were a child and you've never been able to forgive him? Just forgive him now. Just forgive now. Doesn't matter who it is, forgive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the latest Christian life, which I encourage you all to take, is a story that Janet wrote, wrote about Moana. She was beaten as a child with, with a four by two. And she took six months to recover. And she became a gang member and a prostitute. The hurt that, that those beatings caused. But then the, the Lord saved her and she's forgiven her father. Now you should see the light of God flowing from her. Ooh, it has to be seen to be believed. Another hindrance is disobedience towards God. What does Revelation 2, 21, 22 say? This is Jesus speaking. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Disobedience towards God. That particular chapter is talking about a, a woman it's a symbolic thing in the church, the Jezebel spirit that teaches witchcraft and, and things that not the pure gospel. And the Lord will cast her into a sickbed, that person who's doing that. Disobedience towards God opens the way for Satan to afflict you and your family with sickness and tribulation. Men with families, whew, we've got a huge responsibility to seek God's will for our life and obey him. Some story you don't really like to tell, but I want to use examples of what disobedience to God is. And I was, uh, as you know, worked for the evangelist Bill Sabritsky, and he had the situation where he had a call from a, a family just down the road saying, our little boy's got leukemia, the doctors say he hasn't got long to live. Would you come and pray for him? So Bill went down and prayed for that little boy. Two or three weeks later, they got the report from the doctors that there was no trace of the leukemia. All the blood counts were great. The family just rejoiced. They were excited. But about six months later, he got another call and said, Bill, Bill, would you come again? Our boy's gone back into sickness. And Bill was disturbed by that because he's seen many, many people healed from cancer, which is a spirit, by the way. And he's cast it out, and I've cast it out of many people. But not all people get healed. 
And when he walked into the home, the Lord said, the father is committing adultery. So he took the man aside and said, are you having an affair? And the man broke down and said, well, yes, yes, I am actually. And, uh, and I can't give her up. I love her de- dearly. Bill being Bill was furious. It's a wonder he didn't smack him there and then. Because that illness had come in. God didn't put, put it on that child. Satan had an entry point into that family through the father's sin. Sins of the fathers shall be visited upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, the Bible says. <coughs> what else must we do? What, how else do we disobey God? Well, we must honour our parents. Now, young people, that's important, real important. But what about us oldies that have still got issues with our parents? Bible says, honour your father and your mother, this is Deuteronomy 5.16, as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you. Is it well with you and your family? Because if it isn't, it could be that there's an issue that you have not dealt with with your parents. You know, my I came to the point where um, I was able to forgive my father for certain things that I'd held against him after, of course, asking the Lord to forgive me for judging him. And so he's now in heaven, and one day I'll see him up there, praise God. God calls us to repent of our sins and have faith towards God. So if we don't repent and don't follow God, then we are in disobedience. Does that make sense? And we miss out on God's blessings on our life. You know, when I was 17, I rebelled against God by leaving home and ignoring everything I'd ever been taught through Bible class and my father was a preacher, etc., etc. I didn't like certain aspects of his life and I judged him. And how do, what happens when you judge people? You go out to prove that you, you, don't, you can do it on your own. Pride, etc. I left the church church, I went to work for Radio Haraki, the world of sex and drugs and rock and roll, thank God 10 years later for a, a praying mother and others who prayed for me that the Lord rescued me in my 30s and drew this prodigal back home to him but what a waste of 10 years, I thought I was having fun, because sin is fun, until there's a consequence and those consequences hurt God doesn't want us to go through that, but he gives us a free will. So we're free to disobey God, or we're free to obey him. Blessings or curses. Lack of knowledge of God's word. I'm sure you're all reading the the Bible reading notes out there, or your own notes, and you're spending time with the word each day. I hope you are, because that's how you get understanding of the way God thinks and what God does. Look at Proverbs 4, 20, 23. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, Derek Prince, 
one of the greatest teachers in the world of all time, was once very, very sick. And he was reading the Bible and he read the, this, this verse, that if you spend time in the word, it will bring health to their flesh. So he started spending time in the word three times a day and thanking the Lord for his health. And he got miraculously healed of quite a serious disease from the word, spending time in the word. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Do you know all these hindrances to healing that I'm sharing about? Where do they come from? Just Ray Girl's knowledge? No. They're all in the Word. All these hindrances are in the Word. And if you read the Word regularly, you understand these things. The importance of reading the Bible every day and studying subjects. Like I'm studying healing at the moment. I thought I knew everything about healing. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think we'll ever know. It's huge. The whole subject is, just, is, is gigantic. Lack of faith. This can arise because of ignorance of God's word and the promises of God. Look what Mark eleven twenty four says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Do you understand that verse? When you come out for healing, don't hope that you're going to be healed. That's not faith. That's wishful thinking. Jesus says, I will heal you. So when you come out for healing, thank you, Lord, for healing me. I receive your healing. And you will experience it. Not necessarily right at that time. I know people who have gone out and been prayed for and nothing happened. But they said to the Lord, Lord, your word says that you will heal me. And so, God damn it, I'm going to keep on believing. And within two weeks, three weeks, the healing comes. I've just read the incredible story in, in um, The Art to Healing by Josh Klinkenberg. As he had hay fever. He suffered badly from hay fever. And he's reading the word and he saw that, th that there was no sickness in heaven. He said, hey, Lord, I'm one of yours. I'm a son of the king. If there's no hay fever in, in heaven, then, th then I don't have to have it here on earth. It was a revelation to him. So he started rebuking the hay, hay fever. Every week, I rebuke you, hay fever, in Jesus' name. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. It took a year. A year of rebuking hay fever, and it went. So he said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Got all excited, told his wife, wasn't sniffing and blowing his nose and carrying on. But about a year later, he was walking through some meadows where the sort of pine cones and that, where, where he'd always get hay fever again, and he felt the symptoms hit him. Eyes, nose running. He said, Lord, that doesn't make sense. How could this be? All he heard from the Lord is, I have healed you. So he took the understanding of that and said, okay, I don't accept you. Any, come back. I've been healed by Jesus. Hey, you, you have to go. This time it didn't take a year. It took seven days. Seven days he rebuked hay fever and thanked God for his healing and he came free of hay fever and he's never had it again. That's something that I learned in the past few, few weeks about rebuking sickness and believing God. It's faith, you see. 
Hebrews 11.16, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must, God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who dil- dil- diligently seek him. Guys, let's pray and ask the Lord for, f- for faith. Heavenly Father, say it after me if you want to. Heavenly Father, I renounce in Jesus Christ's name my lack of faith and ask you to forgive me. Yeah, that applies to us all. You know, I've seen people healed and delivered, and I lack faith for things. I'll tell you a little secret. Bill Sabritsky lacks faith for some things too. He doesn't lack faith for someone to be healed of a back injury. I've seen him heal many people. But if he goes out to the airport and the, fli- is d- the flight's delayed or he can't get on the line, he gets all panicky. He did. He's gone to heaven now. He used to get all panicky and ring his travel agent and say, can you arrange this, can you arrange that? Whereas I'm quite different. I don't necessarily have the faith to see a person with a broken spine healed, but if I'm out in the airport and things go wrong, I just walk around speaking in tongues and ask the Lord to solve it. And then I get a call up and I've got my seat. See, I've got faith. So we all have different levels of faith, don't we? Unbelief. The Bible says that unbelief is a sin. There are whole denominations that are going to have to answer to God on the judgment seat of Christ. That is, they're saved, they're born again, and Jesus is going to save. But you didn't believe that I could heal. You didn't pray for people that they might be healed, and I asked you to. And they'll be corrected. Mark 6, 5 to 6. He could do no mighty there. This is Jesus himself, who's the creator of the universe. And Nazareth, he couldn't do any mighty work there, any huge miracle. Why? Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Hebrews 3 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Folks, unbelief is sin. I'm not going to go forward for healing because I don't believe God's going to heal me. That's sin. That's unbelief. And it traps, traps, traps thousands of Christians who love the Lord, who seek to serve the Lord, but they don't believe the word of God in that certain aspects. So let's say this prayer if you want to about unbelief. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce all unbelief, especially in your word and yourself. Help me, Lord Jesus. Unconfessed sin. Psalm 66 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Proverbs 28 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Folks, we can't retain sin in our hearts. And that can be unforgiveness, resentment, fear, anxiety. All of those things are sin in our lives. And we're all sinners. The Bible says if you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar. So we're all sinners. I have to confess sins regularly. Janet, about five times as much. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
It's the other way around. But we do have unconfessed sin, don't we? You know, we do need, need to do, sometimes we are very angry about something, and the Bible says be angry, but don't sin. But then the sun goes down, and we're still angry the next day. And we're still angry the next day. And we're still angry the next day until the Holy Spirit puts his finger on it, and we get down on our knees and say, I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for being so angry. Because that's sin. You try and get healed while you're carrying anger in your heart. Ain't going to happen. Fear. 2 Timothy says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what is fear? It's a spirit. The Bible says that fear is a spirit. Now we think that, that fearful and, and anxiety is, is just, you know, we get a bit of a fright. You know, the wife comes out of the bathroom with the curlers and, 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 and the face all made up and you get a fright. Well, that's not going to cause any problems really. But if you're fearful on a regular basis, you fear that the Lord, Lord's not going to look after you. You're fearing for your finances. You're fearing for your children. You've let a spirit in. And that spirit says, oh, I can think of other ways to make you feel fearful. But it's not from God. God doesn't make us fearful. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For those who I know, and I've got family who have anxiety problems and depression and what have you, I encourage them to put this verse up by their bed and read it every day. I've got a, I've got a daughter who's having panic attacks at the moment. And I'm sharing with her, panic attacks haven't come from God. But he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Dwell on that to those panic attacks go. Grief. Grief is a hindrance to healing. It is a huge hindrance to healing. Psalm 31, 9 says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years are sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Grief is a huge, huge thing that causes, allows sickness to come into the body. Much cancer is caused by grief. Wow, where did that come from? Cancer caused by grief? I've prayed for hundreds of people and that, that has been the case, but not always. But I'll give you an example. Jen and I prayed for a, a wonderful lady who had had cancer for a long time. And as we're driving down the road to her place, I said, Lord, give me a word of knowledge. How can I pray for this lady? She's been ill for so long. She's dying. Lord, I need a word of knowledge. What? What, Lord? <coughs> and the Lord said, lost child. Lost child. So as we're sharing and we're talking and what have you, and I didn't know this lady beforehand. I just... I just said, have you got children? Oh, yes, I've got this one and this one, and they're doing fine, and they're doing that. Have you ever lost a child, thinking that maybe there was an accident or something? She said, oh, no, no. And then she hesitated and said, oh, yes, I did. Nobody knows this. I've never told anyone. But I had an abortion. A long time ago, I had to do it. I lost a child. So we were... We were <coughs> able to 
lead her through forgiving herself and asking God's forgiveness. And we prayed for her and the Holy Spirit touched her. <coughs> Grief. She'd been grieving for that child for 30, 40 years. <coughs> Next time I speak, which is a month away, we're going to talk on other hindrances to healing because there are a lot of hindrances and that's why it's good to learn and to share and be transparent with one another. I'm going to talk about deliverance from curses of previous occult involvement, Freemasonry, neglect of the poor, rejection, unconfessed and hidden anger, one of the biggest reasons for sickness, failure to examine ourselves, that was brought up by Gavin this morning, lack of peace of mind, sickness, is caused by demonic activity. So next time I speak, which will probably be a month away, take courage and get out of bed and come because everything that I share is so that you can pray about it, apply it to yourself or apply, apply it to a friend, apply it to somebody else. Reach out for the Lord and say, Lord, what is the hindrance to this healing? You know, you might have a sore back and you might have had it for months and gone forward two or three times for healing and not been healed. So ask the Lord, Lord, why? The Lord just might say unbelief. Or he might say unforgiveness. And you say, say, Lord, where, who, how? You deal with it, next time you prayed for, healing. So let's all just stand and, and we're going to say a prayer, which I think is up there behind me in general for healing. Let's just stand and shake the legs. And if you want prayer afterwards, feel free to come up. And Janet, I'm going to ask you if you, you'll come up. And Gavin, Ether, people who have experience in praying for people, if you want individual prayer. But right now, and there's a cup of tea afterwards, Let's just say this general prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your risen Son, Jesus Christ. As I repent from all of my sins, Father, and especially of unforgiveness, I ask, Lord, for your healing touch upon my body, soul, and spirit. I pray, Father, that your anointing shall now fall upon me and touch me driving out every spirit of sickness, healing my body, soul, and spirit. I thank you, Lord, for touching me now by your spirit. Thank you, Father, for your mighty touch in Jesus' name. If you've got sickness in your body or if you've got a family member or friend that's got sickness, raise your hands to the Lord and remind the Lord of who they are or what the sickness is that you want to be set free from. The Lord is present to heal and he's going to heal in the spirit of gentleness. Thank you, Adelaide, for that word from the Lord. Jesus is a very gentle father. His desire is to heal you. His desire is to set you free. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants you to deal with sin so that you become free, so that you become the person that he wants you to be. Just reach out to the Lord for your own sickness or for somebody else that's on your heart.
reach out now and ask him to heal you or to heal them. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there any unbelief in me? Is there anyone I haven't forgiven? Lord, I'm still grieving for when I lost my mum, when I lost my dad. I want to give that grief to you. Lord, would you take that grief off me? It's too, too much for me to bear. Lord, would you take that grief off me and heal my broken heart? Because the scripture says, God is near to those who grieve. He is near to those who grieve. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We're not going to have a song, I don't think. I think that it's time for a, a cup of tea and a coffee. And if anyone wants individual prayer... We're here to pray for you. Bless you. Thank you.